Welcome to the We Invested Podcast, where we teach you how to save and make more cash. I'm your host, Wesley Earp, and this is Season 4, Episode 12. And on this episode, we sit down with Rocky Mount City Councilman, Community Leader, and Nonprofit Founder, TJ Walker. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's do it. Today on the We Invested Podcast, we have TJ Walker, and he is a Rocky Mount Councilman of Ward 4, and he is also the founder of We Fit Incorporated, a nonprofit foundation. TJ, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I appreciate you for joining me, man. I know you're a very, very busy man. But before we get started, can you let the people know where they can find you on social media? Definitely, man. Facebook, TJ Walker, or... um TJ Walker, I think uh, City Councilman, War Four City Councilman, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, I believe is the, it's, yeah, TJ Walker, Rocky Mount Councilman, Award Four. Um, it's two Facebook pages, and also We Fit Inc., which is uh, another Facebook page for the nonprofit. Um, IG is TJ Walker Music or We Fit Inc. Um, on IG. And uh, I'm on Twitter, but I don't really use it like that, man. So really more so IG and Facebook. That's what I, that's, that's kind of the, the two social media tools I use. For sure, for sure, bro. So let's just jump right into it, man. And I, I want to start from the beginning because this is, I usually uh, just interview entrepreneurs, man. But this is my first time interviewing an entrepreneur as well as a political figure. So I want to start from the beginning. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, man, um, Sycamore Street. But I spent most of my time with my grandparents in Pine Tops and, um, you know, back and forth from Pine Tops to Rocky Mountain because my mom worked in Pine Tops as a teacher. So she would just it was easier for her and it worked better to just have, you know, we could stay in my grandma's house. My sister and I, 14 months apart, we could stay in my grandma's house and she would pick us up after work or we stayed out there a couple of days or may stay out there a week. Then come home on the weekends. But um, yeah, I grew up there man, playing sports, baseball, basketball, football. Um, and and just in Rocky Mount, man, it's uh we finally moved from Sycamore to Bond Farm, which is by Northern Nash, uh, during the flood in '99. That's how I remember the flood, uh, so easily Hurricane Floyd, because I remember that's the year we moved. And uh, I grew up in a two-parent home, uh, great stability, great support, very supportive family, uh, not just immediate, but my um, extended family, very supportive. And, uh, you know, we didn't have everything, but we didn't necessarily, you know, want for anything either. You know, we had all of our basic necessities. <clears throat> we didn't have to worry about lights being off or food on the table, so... That wasn't, uh, you know, that's, that's not a part of my story. It wasn't my struggle. So growing up, it was, uh, it's pretty cool, man. We didn't, you know, we weren't, we weren't spoiled, but we were definitely blessed. For sure, bro, for sure. And so, how did you kind of get your start in politics, or what sparked that interest? Um, you know, in basically serving the community and, and, and getting involved in local government. Man, I, I grew up around it. So my both of my granddads. Um, were politicians. Uh, my mom's dad, he was on the school board for 30 plus years. My dad's dad, um, 
He's a, a local pioneer, man, local legend here in Rocky Mountain and in Eastern North Carolina in general. He um, he was a county, first African-American county commissioner in Edgecombe County. And um, just to, he's in his 51st year of pastoring right now. So they just, you know, watching them, man, just help people being plugged in in the community, um, trying to help people and, and, and be a voice, be a voice for people that felt like they were voices. So watching them kind of just, it was almost like it was in the DNA because that was my environment. I was surrounded by the, the black man that I saw every day. That's what they did. So, you know, being exposed to that um, is kind of what, what what compelled me and pushed me to feel like, listen, this is like, this is a part of me. It's an extension of me. If I don't know anything else, I know helping people. So um, I, I actually, the, the political world, as far as counsel, I never saw that, um, you know, people ask you about a five-year plan. Like, that was, politics wasn't even in my five-year plan. So the count, the whole council idea, man, it just happened with going off to college and coming back, learning in college and watching the city you grow up in, seeing how it's changing, but also seeing how the areas that's not changing, that need to change, and figuring out what position that you need to be in, who are the players that can make those changes. And so it's one thing to be a voice, but it's another to be at the table to make the decisions. So um, I kind of, I wanted to be both. I want to have my foot in the streets in the neighborhood, but I also want to have my foot at the table so that I'm not only advocating for the people, but I'm also being able to advocate for what they want and also make the change for what they want, or at least be a part of making the change for, for what it is that I'm hearing. So that that's really, man, um, that's that's really kind of what pushed me to. I had a professor at North Carolina Central that told me uh, two ways. He said, if you want to make changes um, in your hometown, he said, get you a nonprofit and get in the local government. So <clears throat> I did both of those things, man. Watched and you know waited for the opportunity. And um, you know, thanks be to God, man. I'm I'm here today, blessed, bro. For sure, for sure. That's a very very dope story, man. So. You know, for you personally, which one came first, getting into local government or getting your nonprofit started? Uh, it was the nonprofit. Yeah, the nonprofit. Um, it, it was formed in 2014. It was my junior year of college. And uh, I started it there. But it wasn't until the last two years that I got my 501c3. So um, we're totally tax exempt now. And uh, it just opens up your you as a nonprofit, man, really, it it, it, it it makes you more of a business that way. When you're tax exempt, um, you're able to leverage more dollars. You're able to to um, be more attractive to donors, sponsors, and um, it just legitimizes what people call the non or the not-for-profit business. And it's not technically not-for-profit, but it is a business, um, you know, and, and you have to set it up like a business or to fail. So that was the first thing I got off the ground. And then politics followed um, last year. So I, I, I ran last year and uh, no, 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 the year before COVID, um, 2019. And um, coming in my second second year now, it's a four year term. So I got four years in this term. And I'll be looking to run again, Lawrence Willer, if that's the plan. For sure, man, for sure. And so I wanted to kind of talk more about that process of becoming a city councilman. Like, how was that process for you? Uh, man, it was tough. Uh, I remember t 
telling my granddad, my dad's dad, he was the first person I told, you know, uh, after my wife, I let her know what I wanted to do. And I talked to my granddad because in the city, you know, it's, it's, it's out of respect. It's good to go through the pioneers, to go through some of the, the bridge builders. And so I sat down with him, told him what I wanted to do. And he just totally uh, rejected it. He was like, nah, you don't need to do that. So when he told me no, that I didn't need to do it, I knew then that it was time to do it. <clears throat> so I, I went ahead, man, and um, I talked to some more of the, the elders in the community, the stakeholders, went and met with them, let them know that this is what I'm going to do. Um, because the, the actual, the, the individual that was the current council person, she decided she wasn't going to run, but she waited until, well, for one, she refused to answer my phone calls um, until the day before filing. I called her probably you know, a month straight, man, trying to figure out, hey, are you going to run? You're going to run. I need to make sure you're thinking about running. So she never answered. I left her voicemails and then called me the day before filing and said, hey, I was just calling you, letting you know I'm not running. You know, I'm like, yeah, I respect the call back, but I've already made up my mind. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to be filing tomorrow. I am running. So she had another individual that she was grooming to run. And uh, that's just politics, man. It gets dirty. But I, uh, I went and filed. And once I filed, man, because I waited the day of filing, I had to start campaigning right then. And it only gave me a short block of time to hit over, man, probably, man, there's no telling how many people probably knocking doors, but to to cover this wide span of constituents um, in a short window. Uh, but, you know, it was what it was, man. Um, you know, I pledged the greatest fraternity known to mankind, Omega South Opportunity Incorporated. I grew up here in Rocky Mount, so uh, that just sets you up to understand perseverance, and that's all. That's all the campaign was was perseverance. It was hard. I didn't have a team. Most people, you know, they have a team, campaign team. I didn't have a campaign manager. You know, it was just me, my family, and uh, you know, I had a few volunteers every now and then, people that would help when they could. But uh, and I got out on my bike and walked and knocked doors. I went door to door, man. My granddad, dad, dad, he helped me out a lot uh, financially to be able to get me a campaign headquarters right in the middle of the war. So it was really, man, I'm still campaigning right now. I mean, just that campaign is simply just being amongst the people. For sure, bro, for sure. And so how did you pick, like, what war you wanted to run for? Is that, like, something... How did that decision like come about? So my my granddad, the church he pastors at church he's been passionate for fifty years. Church I'm familiar with. It's in the heart of the ward, <clears throat> largest church in the ward. Um, it was once the largest African American church in the city, but now, you know, as time progressed, we got some larger churches here, and I'm excited about that. But um, it was a it's a church that was still in the heart of the, not only the ward but in the heart of a community. And um, we, as a family, we've already been doing work in the area. So it was the perfect war, you know, for me to step into and say, listen, the work that my family's already been doing, I want to continue that legacy and 
stand on the shoulders that and the foundation my family's already building this war. I already have a trust of the people in the community. You know, they know how we get down, they know how we take care of people, how we look at the people. Um, nobody's perfect, but they know as far as uh, taking care of people's best interests. You know, my, my granddad kind of stamped that for, for our name. So just standing on that name, being able to have that legacy to stand on helped me out a lot. Now, I just knew this was the place to be. I was able to find a house in the ward and like a, a phone call. It was just a call like, hey, I need to move. I gotta be in the ward so I can run. Made a call and it was uh it was it was it was a blessing, man. It's a blessing. For sure, for sure. And so how did it feel, you know what I'm saying, once you found out you were elected and you know what emotions were you feeling at that moment? Man, I went off, man. I remember being at the campaign headquarters. Um, you don't have a TV, so you gotta you gotta watch it by your phone. So I just remember kept refreshing and refreshing and trying to get the, the results to come in. Um, and you could watch the results as they were going. So it's like, you know, you could see it up, up, up. And I remember seeing uh, early voting, voting count came in. Early voting, I think I won by like 100 votes. And it was people in the campaign headquarters, man. I mean, like people that I hadn't seen the whole journey. It's people that I know didn't support me, you know, people was just, but they were at the campaign headquarters, you know, trying to see what was going on. My, my opponent, man, her team, they threw so much dirt on me and at least tried to just talk bad about me. And the sad part was it was another black female, um, you know, African-American female. And the way they treated me, I'm just like, man. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about everything that I had to go through while I was waiting for the results, watching my phone. All these people are standing around watching me. We got food, people eating. You know, they 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 having a good time. And I'm just I'm just thinking about the whole process. I'm thinking about the whole journey. And once the results came in, man, I just lost it. I blanked. I just, I just started, like, I lost myself, man. I just started thinking about, everything and everybody that told me I would lose and, and how people was laughing at my campaign style, telling me my flyers look like uh, basketball promotion flyers and just clowning me. I thought about all of that, man. I thought about everything that people were saying, stuff they didn't think I knew, you know, the subliminals, the shots and everything. I thought about all that, man. I just lost it. I snapped and I just, uh, you know, I thank God. Then after that, man, I just went off. I blame. Yeah, I blame. <laughs> no, nah, man, it, that's definitely a big moment, man. You, you definitely deserve a blame, man, for real. After, after what it sounded like you went through to to get the way you are, but um, you know, so doing my research, it has, you know, it has your primary goal listed as to bridge generational and racial divide gaps through equity and social justice in local government. So what does that mean to you? Man, being able to, it's, it's a huge gap. So it's a huge gap in generations, a huge gap in races. And, you know, even within our own race, it's a huge gap. So trying primarily to get the younger generation and the older generation to stop because during the campaign I saw the worst of it man like the older generation just you know 
for some reason, man, they couldn't find it in their hearts to help me. But they rather bashed me. So seeing that perspective of how the older generation thought about me being the younger generation and the rest of the younger generation, I'm like, man, this is, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And then we're quick to blame another race, you know, for our oppression. I'm like, look how we treat ourselves. So I really want to focus on bridging that generational gap, man, bringing both generations to the table together, having conversation, um, having having time to really, you know, I feel like we don't fellowship enough to understand each other. Uh, we just quick to judge based off what we don't understand rather than taking time to, to, to really fellowship, getting to know somebody. And that's that's not just with us as a people, but that's across racial barriers. You know, we don't, we, but we rather just say, we don't understand it. We don't know anything about it. We're ignorant to it. And we're just, you know, pass the judgment towards it without even trying to get to know. So, man, me, I, I like taking time, sitting down with people, understanding, you know, it's even if you're a racist or even if you're uh, not of my generation, or if you're not my color or if you don't, I still want to find a way to try to understand why you think the way you do. Psychology was my was my undergrad major. So as in that major, um, it was just huge to try to figure out why people think the way they do and why they act the way they do. So for sure, man. And that was that was one of the questions that I had down to ask you too, man. How do you think that, you know, your education and your background, your educational background, um benefits you to help serve your community and the people better it helped man the fact that i went to hbcu i not only um was a psych major but in psychology they teach you african-american psychology so you get to learn your people you know you you get to learn the psychology of the black american you get to learn um and that's 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 huge man we think we know so much about us because it's our culture and we it's, it's a lot of things that we overlook and a lot of things we don't. So taking time to really understand why we might do some of the things we do and why we may act the way we do, that helps you get to the root of really addressing the real need. A lot of people try to address the need and don't even know the root. And that's, that's not going to fix anything. For sure, bro, for sure. And so when I was, uh, you know what I'm saying, kind of doing my homework on you and checking out different pages and, and different websites, I saw that, um, you know, you were, I guess we can call it this, it was a public safety initiative where you were with the fire station two in Rocky Mount, walking through your ward and checking smoke detectors and, and kind of being involved with the people right there with them. So what did that mean to you? Like, what was the significance of making sure that you were able to walk through and, and, and personally check on some of these, uh, you know, some of the residents within your ward? Man, making sure people are safe. Um, and, and, and not only that, but people seeing you, seeing you, and it's, and it's not time to be elected. You know, people seeing you and it's just a normal day, a regular day. Like that was a Saturday morning. And, and people knowing that you care about their safety and that you care about them. Um, that was the biggest thing to me. But on the flip side, also being there with the people that basically work for, for the council, 
you know, the fire department. You know, they're employed through the city. So letting them know that, hey, I got your back as well. You know, I'm here for I'm here for the people. You know, I'm, I'm here for you as an employee. I'm here for my people as a constituent and as a as their councilman. Um, so really just showing people, man, that you care for them, care about them, and you value their work and you value um, their thoughts and their voice and you just value them as a as a collective body. For sure, for sure. That's dope. That's dope. So um, you know, another post that kind of stood out to me, um, it looked like you shared it, but you were talking about um, you know, developments coming to Rocky Mount. So is that is there anything that you can talk a little bit more about, kind of elaborate on the developments that are coming to Rocky Mount? Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's it's a lot coming, man. We've got um a huge tire company that's coming from China. They've already broke ground. Um, we're developing our downtown currently. So one of the most historic downtowns. Um, it's going on the redevelopment stages. Uh, that's going to be a huge project. It's actually grabbing statewide attention and national attention now just because of how we're doing it and how we've been able to capture and cultivate not only developing the downtown, but also making sure that we have minority participation and ownership in downtown. Not many downtowns, uh, very few in, in, in America have that, you know, so looking at some Black Wall Street, when we talk about Black, Black Wall Street in Tulsa and, and Black Wall Street that was in Durham, North Carolina, you know, we're, we're able to create that environment and culture in Rocky Mountain because we have a 67% African-American population. So we have the people here. Um, that's one of the greatest developments that we have here. We've got a $50 million event center that's here. So that's a huge investment that was made and we're just developing around. We have an affordable housing bond that we're approaching. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, going to the state, trying to figure out how we implement this affordable housing bond so that we can create affordable housing and uh, housing incentives and initiatives for developers and for constituents. So uh, it's, man, it's, it's a ton of development, man. There's a uh, development project that I'm working on with people within my ward of the Community Development Resource Center so that we can stop trying to band-aid our community, but really give them access to true tools that are solution-based that can really help change their lives and sustain themselves and the community rather than just continuing to band-aid the community. For sure, for sure. And that's dope, man. And, and just seeing that change um, coming to Rocky Mountain is crazy. It's crazy, like with all the eyes on it and all the attention it's getting. It's, it's like you can really feel that energy. You can really feel the energy coming to Rocky Mount. But just to kind of switch gears a little bit, I wanted to uh, dive deeper into the into your nonprofit. We fit before we started recording. You know, I think you told me what it stood for, the acronym for it, and I thought it was deep. And I uh, just kind of want to hit on that a little bit more. So, would you mind explaining, um, you know, the idea? behind we fit incorporated yeah man we fit incorporated working uh to expose future intrinsic thinkers uh my boy he came up with that when we went undergrad that acronym for the nonprofit. Uh, but the gist of what we do is focus on african-american youth development uh primarily now we've kind of shaped it to where we 
have gotten a little more detail where we focus primarily on African-American male development beginning at age eight. So uh, exposure is our is our uh, template, man. If, if, if we had to say, you know, what do you build your, what do you focus your program around? It's exposure. Everything we do, we want to expose kids to something that they may not be exposed to uh, within their environment. So therefore their minds can be uh, broadened, um, their perspectives can um, be, be shaped a little differently because they've been exposed to things that they normally wouldn't be exposed to in the community. And many times we don't have to go out of the city to do it. It's a lot of things in the city that inner city kids aren't exposed to just because they, they rarely come out of the neighborhood. You, you, you know everything around you in your neighborhood, but just experiencing different things in the city that you may not experience, something as simple as coming to City Hall, coming to a council meeting. You know, it's simple to some, but that's huge. That's a game changer. Um, I had a friend just yesterday, he took a young kid to a council meeting. And it was his first time going. He was like, man, I want to speak at the next council meeting. You know, something that what we think is small, exposure, man, that's what really, uh, really changes mindsets. But that's the nonprofit um, and everything I've got, man, is I kind of got, I use we, the first two letters, we, um, to, to kind of, as an umbrella, and we, we fit, I've got We Rent Rentals, which is a rental car business. Um, uh, of course, We Fit Basketball, that's a sports training development. Uh, so, so everything is under that umbrella. But the, the, the original name of, um, of We Fit came from the Hermetic Hypothesis, where in the Bible it talks about the Hamites and how they were people um, that were told they didn't fit into a certain area, um, basically. And so the whole We Fit concept is to be able to share with kids, hey, listen, this may be a world that tells you you don't fit here, you, know, you, you don't fit in America, and you don't fit. We may hear that constantly and we may see it constantly, but we want to show you that, yeah, you do, not only do you fit here, but you can sustain yourselves here and your family, and there's a way to do it. So uh, that, that's really where the, the, the whole concept derived from. Man, that's that's amazing, brother. That's amazing. And so I heard you mention, you know, you had We Fit, um, We Rent. You know, you say you have a, a rental car um, business as well. So, you know, what's the importance of having, you know, multiple streams of income to you? Very important. Um, so I'm married with three kids, so I'm just like, man, listen, I need, I've got to be able to provide not only now, but and and but I need to be able to provide for their future, not just my future, but for their future and the family's future, in order to have uh, things for them to build on, you know, so they don't have to to try and and go through, so they don't have to go through things that I had to go through. Um, and understanding legacy, like I've got, there's there's so much legacy built in my family, but I don't think they understood the importance of a financial legacy. So got a great name, but when we talk about financial legacy and plans and succession plans and, and how to effectively pull it off, that's very important, man. That's a that's a, that's a huge gap in America, especially for blacks. So. I wanted to make sure that, listen, if I, if, even if my granddad, you know, if he doesn't leave me anything, 
um, I want to make sure that I'm able to leave my kids, you know, what I needed, you know, being at this stage now. I feel like I could be a lot further, but, you know, I don't, I don't regret any of the lessons or any of the process. Um, you know, it's, 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 we, we were taught to, to take the stairs, you know, so you know, we hear that a lot. And, um, you know, that process is a beautiful thing. I'm learning to just, just embrace that. But multiple streams, man, I don't work for anybody. So I, I got to be able to survive and be sustained and also the family. So um, it's not just multiple streams, but it's, it's, it's different avenues and, and different pathways to have something for the kids and for my wife. For sure, man, for sure. And so, you know, outside of your council position, you're a community engagement coordinator and assistant pastor. You know, you're running multiple businesses. So how do you, um, you know, and you're a family man as well. So how do you juggle all these different responsibilities and, and, and things that you have to do? Like, how do you kind of go day to day dealing with all these different um, things pulling you in different directions? Man, I just... I get pulled apart, bro. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, I'm trying to figure out how to do it. I use my calendar to kind of do the scheduling, but it's uh, it's tough, man. I'm figuring it out, bro. I'm trying to give days where I don't do anything, you know, for myself. Uh, just kind of take a day for me. I'm trying to get to a place where I take a day, you know, just with the kids, you know, take a time with just the wife and the kids, and then just time with the wife. So, um. I'm learning that, man. I'm learning it. I haven't figured it out yet. But um, uh, every week, I learn you know, different tactics and different tools I can use. And using my calendar on my phone and create and making a calendar, you know. And, and my wife gets tests me all the time. And being able to say no to certain things, uh, I'm just working on that. But uh, it's so much that has to be done. You know, COVID kind of taught us that, you know, really with all that we do, man, it really doesn't matter, you know. It's, it's everything could be wiped away from in a, in, a, in a split. So you got to take time to just value life too, and value our being here, and, and, and the grace that God provides us to do it. So uh, I'm just, I'm still learning, still learning. For sure, bro. And, and and so, what would you say is the single most important reason for your success? God, that's it. God, man. God, just. You know, having faith in God, and you know, I know it sounds cliche, but that's it. Man. God is without God, man. That's, that's that's pretty much what I know. That's a fact. Yeah, definitely. I, I work and I I do my part, but you know, God's part is is the real part. That's what makes it. That's what, trusting in trusting in that plan. Trusting in that That's a fact, man. That's a fact. I, I appreciate your time today, man. I, I really gained a lot from this conversation. Um, but before we get out of here, man, at the end of every episode, we like to play a rapid fire question game. So if you're willing to play, I'll go ahead and, and ask you these three questions. Most definitely, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So look, question number one, where's your favorite place to travel? Uh, right now, it might be for this age, favorite place. Uh, I'll answer that too. My favorite, my my favorite type of, of, of travel is a cruise, but I have to say my place might be Houston, man. Houston is for this age. 
Houston, why Houston? Man, Houston's different. For Rocky, one from Rocky Mountain to Houston, man, you don't just, it's something all day, every day. It just doesn't stop. You know, it's, I'm a, I'm a type that don't stop. So Houston is boom, boom, boom. It's breakfast, it's brunch, it's day party, it's, it's, it's nightlife, it's, it's, it's go to sleep, it's breakfast. It's, it don't yeah. stop, man. I love it. Facts, facts. So question number two, what song explains your life the most? Mm. Uh, God's plan. That's a bar. All right, all right. Question number three, last one. What's an amazing thing that you did that no one was around to see? Oh. Oh, man. Oh, shoot. Just today, man. I talked to a homeless hero, uh, homeless 18 year old. Uh, and uh, he's going to job court Thursday. But just encourage him, man, to keep going. Uh, and uh, yeah, man, that was just uh, it was amazing. Just to, it wasn't it was amazing just to hear hear his story and to let him know keep going. Uh, keep going. That's what's up, man. Hey, T.J. Walker, thank you so much for your time, man. It's a legendary episode for sure. And no doubt, I appreciate you for inviting me, and I thank you for your time. Man. Thank you for thinking of me. Yes, sir.